If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Call's cloud business phone service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. I tell you what, some of the the things that happen here behind the scenes, as I'm getting ready, aggravate me beyond belief. Took my time this morning, taking notes as to what we were going to be talking about on today's show, and apparently if you hit... If you swipe one way and not the other, it completely eliminates and erases your notes here. So anyway, we lost <laughs> lost that in Facebook. Monday morning, what else can we expect here? But it's good to be here. Thank you for joining us. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com, Facebook.com slash Show for those of you who want to watch the program live or on demand at uh, on Facebook. So um, lots to get to. As usual, this, of course, is it's going to be a shortened week, maybe for some of you, most of you, since it's Independence Day week, 4th of July, uh, hitting this Saturday. We'll be in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday this week, taking off uh, some much-needed time off, I must say, here <laughs> on Thursday and Friday. So shortened week, but uh, lots and lots of things to get to in this, uh, well, Look, busy time of year, folks. We are what? Uh, August, September, October. Four months. Four months away from the election. Right at that now. And so we are. We got a lot to wade through here in this very tumultuous time that we're facing as a civilization, as a society, culture. Um, and so we'll do that. <laughs> do that here, starting off with talking about Representative Ayanna. Presley. Now, Ayanna Presley is one of the four infamous, uh, infamous members of the of the squad, joining AOC, Rashida Tlaib. She is radical. She is politically dangerous. Remember the thing about this: God forbid, if Biden wins the election, which we'll talk about this as well. Voters in key swing states don't think that Biden has what it takes to be president of the United States. They, they might He might be up in polling for whatever you take from that at this particular point in the um, election season. But almost half of voters, you're getting close to half of voters, think that Biden is mentally unfit. We'll talk about this. To hold the office of president of the United States in key swing states like uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, maybe Pennsylvania too. But I want to start here with Ayanna Presley. I don't know if you've seen this or not. Uh, 
it's time to pay us what you owe us. This was a statement that she made on the floor of the U.S. House of Representatives. I'm going to play the soundbite in a moment. I'm talking about the Black Lives Matter movement being a mandate, and it is now time for people, for you, for you to pay her and black Americans reparations for being, well, for for contributing to the systemic problems of racism in this country. Folks, I, I long for... I long for a healing in this nation. I long for reconciliation in this nation. But the way to get there is not to embrace radical ideas. It is not to blame an entire race of people who hold no responsibility for the problems that we're talking about. And it's amazing to me the amount of guilt that some people are prepared to accept. I may have said this on here before. I think I did. You know, I say a lot of words sometimes even off the air. So maybe uh, there's sometimes I'm not exactly sure which audience <laughs> I was, I, I've said something to. But um, the, the idea, let's look at the idea of, of, what it means to for a Christian, which I think is a very sound, um, well, the most sound way of looking at this idea of of forgiveness and reconciliation and uh, confession and repentance. Repentance is a word that's um, I think maybe not known, perhaps in the general public, but in Christian circles, repent means to turn and go the opposite direction. So. You're on a path. It's, it's a metaphorical path here. You're doing things. You're behaving in certain ways. The heart is sinful. It's, it's focused on things um, on its own that's not pleasing to God. We have selfish, selfish ambitions and just don't always do things the right way. Sin simply means it's a, a term that's related to archery. It means missing the mark. At times, we don't just miss the mark. Sometimes we completely miss the target. Sometimes we're shooting at the wrong target. This is not something that is racial in nature. This is human in nature. Everybody, white people, black people, Hispanic people, whatever class of people we want to come up with, rich people, poor people, whatever it is, children, adults, Christians, non-Christians, atheists, agnostics, take your pick. We all miss the mark. And so when we miss the mark, the idea from a Christian perspective is to say, look, I've missed that mark. I confess and admit that I've missed that mark, and now it's time to repent. Now, instead of me, in this particular metaphor, firing even at the wrong target, right, I'm firing, not even have I missed the mark. I'm firing at the wrong target. I want to turn and move away from that target and move to the target that is a good target, right? I mean, there's there's all sorts of passages in the Bible. Do justice, uh, love mercy, walk humbly with your God, right? That's kind of 
a snapshot of what it means uh, to be a, a Christian. Just a snapshot. Love, uh, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. That's another snapshot. You know, breaking down the entire law. Jesus says into this, uh, basically two points: love God, love others. If we're not doing those sorts of things, we need to we need to adjust our circum or we need to adjust. We need to admit our failings, move on, and to change direction. That's the important part: is that we change change direction. And so, my my biggest problem with this whole notion of apologizing for a particular race of people is that forgiveness in and of itself, repentance in and of itself is a personal thing. It doesn't mean that we can, you know, that we're supposed to gloss over um, mistakes, errors, bad things in the history of a nation or even amongst a certain group of people. I think that we should do that. I think we should do that in some areas that we're not even talking about today. I look at the issue of abortion and how this is run wildly in American culture and society, and I think we need to admit that we've really screwed that up. They talk about affecting the lives of untold millions of unborn human beings. I mean, there you go. That's something that society needs to stop, reverse, and repent of, turn from. But even with that, like, I'm not personally responsible for that either. It's it, there's a difference between acknowledging problems and taking personal responsibility for these. And now, now there's things like you got to not just it's not good enough for you to be someone who treats people the right way, views people the right way. You see, I'm not a fan of it when people say we don't see color. I understand to a point what the idea is. I mean, I mean, we we see color, right? I mean, we we understand that people are different. You see gender. You see. You see the differences in, in who people are. But really what it is is saying, look, I see us all as human, as humans. We're all part of the of humanity. And so even though we have differences, some are tall, some are short, some are thin, some are not so thin, some are male, some are female. We're we're different, but we're the same in a lot of ways. We're same in the same in more ways than than we're different at our core. Right? We're all created in the image of our creator. God. We're all created with the desire for the things that our founders um, built into our society, our foundational uh, the, the foundational components of our government and the Constitution. They did not do that when it came to the issue of slaves, but that has since been that has since been fixed and addressed. And so all of us systemically, I'm not saying that there's not individual racists or again, we've been through this. I feel like ad nauseum. And so, but individual, but, but dealing with the problems that I have personally done or, you know, created in my life, that's a personal thing. And they, they might be similar to yours. They might be different than yours. They might be exactly the same in other areas. And you may have struggles. I don't, I may have struggles. You don't all that sort of stuff. Right. So, but those, when it comes to seeking to reconcile and to make relationships right, that's a personal endeavor. I've, I've said before on here, and I stand by this, I think that this is exemplified in how we're talking about this issue. 
It's the antithesis of what um, Ayanna Presley said before the House of Representatives last week. But there's some in our society, media, the Democrat Party at large, who want Americans to feel guilty and responsible for the mistakes, the evils that others have committed. So we're all responsible, they want us to feel, for every racist that's ever lived in this nation, right? But but at the same time, they want no one to take personal responsibility for his or her, his or her own actions. And so what we create is the opposite of what is really healthy. What's really healthy is for me to own up what I've messed up on. What's not healthy is for someone who doesn't know me or who doesn't know you to say that you are guilty of something else because you are white, male, whatever it is, that you're somehow guilty of this. This sounds in a lot of ways, it, it, it's there's something attractive about it in the minds of some people, but it is actually not the way that this is properly done and properly properly framed. In fact, I can't seek forgiveness for somebody else. Forgiveness is something that the person guilty of committing the offense must do. Likewise, since I can't do anything, I didn't do anything to cause it, I can't make it right on my own because I didn't I'm not involved in that problem. It's like if if two people have a conflict, I I can't come in as a third party and say, you know, Billy's sorry, Susie's sorry, and everybody's fine with that, that they move on with life. They have to make personal decisions themselves to seek forgiveness and to reconcile that relationship. There's not a third party that can come in and fix it. There's individual choices involved from those who have been involved in the conflict. And so these these speaking in platitudes is appealing um, to some people, it's not effective. However, so I want to play her her soundbite, this clip. I want to play this and talk about this in a little bit more detail. It's now time to pay us what you owe us, is what she says, along with some other things. And I want to think about this, talk about this, because look, folks, this, there's a time. There's a lot of people who are open to healing. In this, in this country, understanding. I, I've said from the beginning, I, I want to understand. I want to, even if I don't agree with some of the next steps or, you know, if I don't embrace everything exactly the same way as uh, the Black Lives Matter spokespeople do, which again, I don't because the radical, the, the leaders of that group are radical Marxists. They're trained Marxists, as they told us. Uh, unapologetically so. Proud of that. So obviously I reject a, ch- a big chunk of what's being said here, but it doesn't mean that there's not something there in the racial component that needs to be heard and addressed. We're all Most people are willing to have this, this conversation, but if the solutions are reparations, if the solutions are radical changes to how we, we vote, and I'm going to talk about voter fraud and mail-in ballots as well this hour if I can get to that. If these are the solutions, folks, then it's almost a non-starter. If 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 the the solution proposed is defunding slash de uh, dismantling the police, 
That's a non-starter with conservatives that I know. It's a non-starter with me. And so that's where this is being used as kind of a, a, a blunt force weapon to politically achieve the ends that the left wants to achieve, which is those things that I just listed, radical, making it easier for people to uh, – no one's against people being able to vote, but making it easier for fraud to be <laughs> part of the voting process is, is ludicrous. Voter IDs are a good thing. Having a process whereby people have to prove who they are, that's a good thing to vote. Likewise, it's a bad idea to say that one race of people is going to metaphorically or I guess in reality cut a check to one race and one another race of people in this country. It's it's craziness to dismantle a police force. It doesn't mean that there can't be changes. It doesn't mean that we can't reevaluate how we're doing things. I also question whether this needs to be done on a federal level. Why can't local states and communities make their own changes and so forth? But dismantling is not something that the average American is down with. The average conservative, or I'd say the average American. But what happens is was when you when you shut up so many people because you bring in the issue of race and you effectively say if you're if you're white you have no say in this it's time for you to shut up you're the ones who have caused this problem and you owe us money as Ayanna Presley says this is it's just not a good thing when you're telling a big chunk of the country or when you're telling any group of people they cannot speak politically bad things usually follow that means that they can't win the debate on their own without telling people they cannot uh, contribute to this political discourse. Long in this segment, I'm going to play this Ayanna Presley soundbite when we return. You're listening here to the home of conservative, not better talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. All right, there we go. I think I had that backwards, our video feed backwards here. Monday morning, I tell you, <laughs> all kinds of stuff here that we're dealing with um, behind the scenes this morning. But I want to play for you this short clip. This is Representative Ayanna Presley. She is addressing members of the House of Representatives from the House floor. This is from couple of days ago. It's actually June June 25th. June 25th. I want to talk. I want to play this. I want to talk about this. So let us let us do that. Let me make sure I got this queued up to play. This is Anna Presley again. Floor of the U.S. House of Representatives on, I believe this was on June 25th. Here you go. Driving while black, jogging while black, sleeping while black. We have been criminalized for the very way we show up in the world. Under the harsh gaze of far too many, my black body is seen as a threat, always considered armed. Centuries of institutionalized oppression will not be undone overnight, for racism in America is as structural as the marble pillars of this very institution. 
With the power of the pen, we must legislate accountability, dismantle these systems, and move in the direction of justice and healing. The Justice and Policing Act is a critical step forward, and I applaud the leadership of the Congressional Black Caucus. But our work is unfinished. There is a rallying cry in communities across the nation. Black Lives Matter is a mandate from the people. It's time. Pay us what you owe us. Our black skin is not a crime. It is the beautiful robe of nation builders. Thank you. I yield. Okay. So, pay us what you owe us. That's, of course, I mean, look, a loaded a loaded statement. I mean, this, to me, carries the connotation that we're talking now about reparations. We're talking about money. We're talking about what we mentioned uh, in the news a couple of weeks ago now, where $14 trillion in reparations was effectively on the table in this discussion. And folks, this is, again, this is just a a non-starter. This is not something that uh, is is just or, or fair. And it's astonishing to me to watch people, to watch white people actually embrace this idea. I just do not understand this. Again, if... I cannot – well, let me say this. I empathize. I empathize with black Americans who fear police. I think we can legitimately – I'm not talking about those who want to you know, use these circumstances, emotions to achieve a political lens. I'm just talking – there's genuine fear amongst some people. I empathize with that. I want where there are legitimate issues of there being problems for those to be addressed. I can empathize with those who have been hurt by racism. I can empathize uh, and and do my best to understand that uh, the, the the impact of slavery that happened generations ago. It's a it's a dark stain on America. I. I accept that i understand that this was atrocious what has happened and it should not have ever happened but folks i'm not going to take the blame for this i don't feel personally guilty because it's not something that i have engaged in i'm not going to apologize for my race that is silliness i can do the things that i just mentioned without saying that i'm uh, that that I'm sorry or that I'm intrinsically racist because I'm white. That by itself is a very racist statement. I don't know what's so hard for people to understand about this. I don't understand the fear of saying that. That is a true statement. I'll tell you what else I'm not going to do is give into some crazy liberal policy or watch the radical left get their agenda put into practice because we're afraid to fight this. This is patently nonsense in my estimation. As I said earlier, I cannot ask for forgiveness for something I'm not personally guilty of doing. I'm not personally responsible for. I cannot ask someone to forgive people who are the same race as me. I can say it was wrong. I can stand for biblical truth. I can believe and want to embrace racial uh, racial reconciliation, racial uh, rec- reconciliation of all types, political 
reconciliation. That gets the whole premise of this show, conservative, not bitter. I want to I want to reconcile with people who are not just radically trying to transform this nation. I want to find some common ground. I don't want to compromise on core beliefs. I think that we can actually get people to embrace these core beliefs if we explain and articulate them, if we help to get rid of some of the crummy things they've been taught for all these years. I can share the love of Christ with every human being, regardless of their race, regardless of their ethnicity, regardless of their gender, regardless of their creed, regardless of their religion, regardless of whatever. But folks, I am not able to atone for someone else's sin. In fact, I wasn't even able to to atone for my own. The whole purpose of Jesus coming. I can't. I cannot do something for someone else. I can't I can't stand in that gap, but I can I can ask others to forgive me of the things that I've personally done wrong and I think it's funny we don't talk about that. You want to change society for the better? Why don't we encourage people to actually reconcile with others in areas that they can personally do something about? Areas that they've personally wronged somebody. Not in this I don't know this this macro level these uh, these grand generalizations where we're talking about a race of people. How about problems created by that particular person? What about problems in your past or my past? If we reconcile with the people that we've you know done wrong by, if we turn from the things we've actually been guilty of doing, what about that? That radically transform this nation. If we had a series of people, people that were acting in that way, making those decisions, going and apologizing for things that they'd actually done, things that they were actually guilty of. Again, this narrative that everyone is responsible for everyone else, but no one is responsible for himself is, I think, straight from the pits of hell, folks. It does not accomplish anything. It doesn't accomplish anything. In fact, it only adds to the strife. It only adds to the tensions. And it adds to some really, really bad political ideas as well. So, including reparations, including, we're going to talk about it after the break. We're going to talk about shift gears here. We're going to talk about voter fraud. We're told that no voter fraud can take place. Nobody would ever dream of trying to commit voter fraud if we had. Uh, man, you know, mandatory mail-in voting. That's the solution for all, all of our problems. Or if we have in-person voting, you don't ask for someone's ID. You don't make them prove who they are. I mean, who thinks like this, by the way? It's not, it's not, it's not a burden to prove who you are at a poll through an ID. That's silliness. That is absurdity, right? I mean, it's, it's really nonsensical to think these things. But that's what they've got us thinking, and what and how do they do that? They do that by saying it's it's uh, you know they're, they're trying to suppress voters, we're trying to we're trying to suppress illegal voters. We're trying to suppress the opportunities for voter fraud, not trying to suppress real actual voters trying to have their voices heard in a, a political contest. That's simply not what not what's happening here, but. I want to talk about that because these are these are the solutions that they present as part of the you know we've had this discussion 
about Black Lives Matter, racial reconciliation. It's time for the solutions to be presented. And now we hear things like, you know, reparations, dismantling the police, defunding the police, or some extreme changes to our system of voting because we're suppressing, they'll tell us, the votes of certain communities because of things like requiring an identification. When IDs are free, so far as I last checked in the state of Indiana anyway, for people that just want to voter identification. But anyway, long in the segment, got to take a break, continue this discussion, shifting over to voter fraud. Who would have thought? Voter fraud, mail-in ballots. We'll talk about that after the break. Sit tight. See you in a minute. Welcome back. So, 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 I want to shift gears here a little bit, and I want to talk about some fraud, some fraud that has taken place in, I think it's New Jersey. Yeah, here it is, New Jersey. This is from The Blaze, Glenn Beck's uh, group. Headline here, New Jersey politicians charged in massive mail-in ballot voter fraud scheme face years in prison. Remember, we've been told, we've been told that this doesn't happen. We've been told that there's no fraud, there's no fraud at all, they want us to believe, with our system of voting. In fact, they want us to believe, they want us to believe the only attempts at fraud in our system of, of of elections of our in our voting process is being waged by Russia, Russia and Ukraine, and they only did that. They only did that because Trump called them up and said, "Hey, Vlad, can you help me in 2016? You're the only ch- hope that I've got, the only chance I've got at winning in 2016 against Hillary Clinton to stop her from being coronated as the first female president of the United States of America." The only way we can stop that is if you and your team of brilliant Facebook marketers, Pokemon Go mark, uh, marketers, Twitter marketers, you guys create some some ads for us on there and trick trick people in the key swing states of Pennsylvania, Michigan, Ohio, Florida, Wisconsin. Trick them. Trick them into voting for me in 2016 that's that's the only example we have of some fraudulent activity if you follow the narrative of the radical left of the media of the democrat party right so this right here we're told this is mail-in ballots hey folks this is what we need to do there's no fraud they they scoff at you when you say hey the idea of having millions of ballots floating around the mail stream you saw by the way that there was, I forget the exact number, but I want to say, I don't want to say the number because I don't want to get it greatly wrong, but there was a ton of money with this the stimulus deal that we had back in whenever it was May. When, every, when most Americans, I should say, received $1,200 payment from the federal government to basically deal with COVID, whether it's stimulate the economy or simply survive or whatever. The The... Uh, the the payments, there was a massive amount of money that went to dead people. Now, if money in a stimulus package or whatever you want to call that, hand out, I mean, take your pick, whatever these things are called, what you prefer to call them. But 
If money can go to people who are dead, why can't ballots? Right? Why why are ballots, why would they catch that? And there was a lot. I don't want to say the number I think it was, but it was a lot. It wasn't like five people or something. So here we go. Democrats have been pushing vote by mail. New Jersey Attorney General Gerbeer Gruel, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, has filed voter fraud charges against four men, including two Patterson City officials who allegedly engaged in a mail-in ballot scheme during a special election last month. Gruel charged Patterson City Councilman Michael Jackson, Councilman-elect Alex Mendez, and two other men after the U.S. Postal Inspection Service alerted the state attorney general's office that it had found hundreds of ballots in a single Patterson City mailbox, Insider New Jersey reported. According to WNBC-TV, more than 3,000 ballots were set aside over voting fraud concerns in the Patterson City Council election. 16. So think about this. There were 3,000 set aside. 16,747 were received, but only 13,557 uh, 13, were accepted, meaning a whopping 19%, one in five of the ballots received by mail were rejected. Now, I'm sure... I'm sure somewhere you've got um, drawn a blank on the uh, or Eric Holder. There we go. I know he's working with the Democrat Democrats on redistricting and, and voter suppression. Somewhere Eric Holder is preparing an email right now to send to me because my friends signed me up on these email lists. I'm going to get an email from Eric Holder telling me that this is an example of voter suppression. 19% of voters in the liberal state of New Jersey were stopped by the system from voting because they were being targeted, probably because of their fill-in-the-blank race or uh, their, their level of poverty or something. More than 800 of the rejected ballots were invalidated because they were found tethered together in mailboxes. <laughs> I just, it's amazing. No, there can be no fraud with mail in ballots. If you say that there's a concern of fraud, all you're trying to do is to take advantage. Uh, all you're trying to do is, is suppress the vote. That's the narrative here. I'm telling you, this is the narrative. Meanwhile, we have, we have ba ballots that are tethered together in mailboxes. Huh, we have a whole stack of ballots there that are, you know, wrapped, you know, tied together. This isn't the only thing, by the way, that they that they did. The alleged voter fraud is particularly significant in the election because one incumbent councilman kept his seat by just eight votes. So now we are to read from this or understand from this that voter fraud may have very well changed the outcome of an election, something that, that, that even the radical left does not claim that Russia did in 2016. All they did was meddle. That's why they use these words, meddle, in our elections or whatever it is, interfere. Oh, they interfere. Well, how about changing the election result? How about that in this particular case? Mendez was elected by fewer than 250 votes, and they had 3,000 fraudulent votes. Jackson was charged with four crimes, including fraud and casting mail-in vote and falsifying records. I read somewhere else in here, trying to get to it here. I got to take a break, but I think that... Um, just not seeing it. But I think I saw that 
signatures on a lot of these ballots did not meet or did not match the signatures had on f- the, the they had on file for the individuals. So that's one of the reasons um, that that some of these were were pulled as well. But next time they tell you, next time they tell you that it. You know, there's no way that voter fraud, massive voter fraud can take place. You point out to them, you point out to them that 20 percent of New Jersey's mail-in ballots were ruled to be fraudulent. 20 percent. And they'll tell you, they act like there's like two people that try to, you know, skirt the system in the polls every year. Just dishonest in their assessment of what's happening. Anyway, you got to take a time out. You're listening here to the home of conservative, not better talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. Just remember that the next time someone tells you that there is no reason to be concerned with voter fraud in the United States. The next time someone tells you that mail-in ballots are secure and they laugh and mock at you, or laugh at and mock you, I should say, for believing that we should think these things through before we just say, send everybody a a ballot at home. Point out to them that 19%—19% of ballots cast recently in New Jersey— were viewed or ruled as fraudulent, 19%. And this is in a liberal utopia, folks. This is in a liberal place where it's, I mean, look, it's obviously contested in these particular elections or in the particular election that we're talking about, the four individuals that were charged, sitting councilman and councilman-elect. In fact, if the allegations are true... And if you follow this to its conclusion, two people were elected that wouldn't have won had they not been um, – potentially, we potentially looking at a change in outcomes because one guy won by eight votes. Somebody else won by 250, and there were 3,000 roughly fraudulent ballots. See, what's interesting is – Conservatives and average everyday people use something called common sense. This is something that liberals don't use. They think, well, we need to do a study. Look, I got to tell you something. I don't need to have a study to tell you freedom of speech is good. I don't need anyone to tell me, some expert to tell me that freedom of religion is a good thing. You know why? Because it is built within me. It's built within you too because that's how we were created by almighty God to have our own our own personality, our own dreams, aspirations. We don't need people telling us that some expert to tell us freedom is good. I think liberals do. You can have some study. You can have somebody, probably some study run by a Marxist group, like the Black Lives Matter movement is run by Marxists. There could be some study conducted by some Marxist that tells people that we found freedom is a bad thing. And I'd find, I wouldn't find it surprising if 50% 50% of, well, I don't know the percentage, but if a lot of radical leftists would say, yeah, you know, there you go. The study shows it. Well, what do you think? What's your own personal experience? It doesn't matter because the data, you know, the data, the data is a compilation of a bunch of individuals' opinions, how that they think it affects them. That's what the data is. What do you think about it? 
Get a little bit perturbed at that as well. But long in this segment, going to take a break. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. All right, folks, all the time we have in our number one, but that's okay. That is okay. We will be continuing with this program. Hour number two will be on YouTube next time, not not on Facebook. Facebook is where we have hour number one. We're actually revamping this. Some exciting things happening here with the program, and maybe I'll talk about that next hour as well. Didn't really plan on that, but we've got a lot of changes here coming, and feel like uh, you know good changes. So maybe we'll uh, briefly talk about that as well, but. Anyway, Monday, always busy here, continuing on Hour 2 on YouTube. So if you want to join us there, simply go to YouTube and search The Todd Huff Show. And the guys, as always, I appreciate you listening. Thank you so much. SDG, see you in a minute.